Welcome back to Living Through Tech. In this episode, we will be speaking with Beatriz Mendez Gandica. She currently works as a program manager at Microsoft and is the CEO and founder of Nuevo Foundation. I had the pleasure to meet Bea at a conference. She was part of a panel and I remember thinking, wow, I wish she could be my mentor one day. Fast forward a few years and here we are today. Not only have I had the pleasure to have Bea as a mentor and be someone I could look up to, but I have experienced her passion to introduce students to the world of STEM. Whether it's through a workshop or a panel, she's always inspiring others. Without further ado, let's welcome Beatriz Mendez Gandica. Welcome, everyone. Hi, Bea. Hey. How's it going? It's going great. It's sunny. I have Mexican food for lunch. I'm excited. We are so excited to have you with us for this episode. Can you tell us a little bit about who Bea is? Definitely. Um, so yeah, my name is Beatriz Mendez Andica. I go by Bea, uh, way easier. Um, I'm from Venezuela. I grew up in Venezuela, in the Andes, uh, pretty much lived there until last year of high school. I did have a chance to go and study um, middle school in Florida so I could learn how to speak English. It was one of the hardest subjects for me was always math. Um, I mean, it was always Spanish and English. So I was very good at math. I was very good at physics, chemistry, everything. But uh, just the literature and like languages was very, very difficult. So I had the opportunity to study abroad. Uh, I don't know if I call it study abroad, but I, I did study middle school, one year of middle school in Florida. I know Florida, but I learned English a little bit at least. And then uh, I go back uh, to Venezuela. And then I had the chance to study abroad in Germany my last year of high school. Had awesome time. And then I got a chance to go to the University of Wisconsin, Eau Claire. That's where I went to school. I had a stand, I got to study abroad twice. I did that in China and I did that in India. And then I was super blessed and lucky um, to get a job at Microsoft. And throughout all this time, it's just how can I give back? How can I bring that person or that kid that has no exposure or that have nobody in their surroundings that would know what STEM looks like, what a engineering job looks like. Can you work in tech if you're not an engineering? And that kind of that that to me was I have to do something. I didn't have that growing up. My mom is a lawyer. My dad is an agricultural engineer, and and I was super thankful that they let me chose my path. Um, I it wasn't chosen for me. It was something that my mom was like, whatever you want to do, do it, and Somehow I got into computers. I do like video games and that, but I didn't have that someone that came to my middle school or came to my high school or a virtual session or somehow someone that would have told me, hey, by the way, there's this thing called computer science or there's this thing called coding or by the way, there's these jobs that are technical and there's a lot of demand for it. Um, and because I didn't have that, I want to make sure that the kids that are now kids and they're growing up do have that chance. And as many kids that we can go and reach out, um, the best for us. And even if they don't like it, that's still fine. But at least it's a known decision versus something that's completely foreign to them that they don't know something because they, ju they just don't, there's no exposure in their communities. Um, so that's something that I'm very passionate about. I think you touched on something very important. 
And that is that your parents didn't tell you, hey, you're going to be a teacher or you're going to be an engineer or you're going to be a lawyer. It was more of letting you explore the fields that are out there and letting you figure out what you wanted to be. Have you experienced a moment where, uh, for example, with Nuevo, where a kid just lights up of excitement of the possibilities that are out there with STEM? And how do you help Microsoft bring in different talent um, to the company? So uh, with the kids um, that we teach at Nuevo, one of the, the things that we try to do as much as we can is not just share where we work, but actually bring in to campus and bring in to Microsoft. That way they get that, they can see it, they can touch it, they can be in it. Um, and I'll tell you a funny story, and I'm not lying, this really happened. Uh, we got about 100 students uh, from Yakima. Yakima is a rural area in the state of Washington. And they got in, you know, like there's a building, there's like free sodas, there's a ping pong table, a human-sized Jenga, uh, some arcade machines. And they were like super stoked. They're like so happy, like, whoa, this is great. And so we started doing Python Turtle. Um, for those of you that might not be familiar, like, wow, Python Turtle? So it's just a turtle that helps you see what you're coding. That way it's more engaging for the kids. And so we have volunteers, right? And so there was this line of kids and there was this guy that somehow the kid thought it was Bill Gates. And so the kid's like looking at him and stares at him. He's like, are you Bill Gates? And so he went and banged it, okay? Because like for some reason, somebody told him, don't Google things, you know, just bang things. And so he went to the computer and he finds a picture and he stares at him and looks at the kid like, you are Bill Gates, aren't you? And then the volunteer was like, I wish, you know, like, no, <laughs> my name is Peter. Uh, you know, it's just hilarious. Um, but also that that the story, I mean, you, you can think it's in a way it's like the kids, just the fact that they're Microsoft, right? Like they, they might not realize uh, where they are and they just think Microsoft Bill Gates that somebody's teaching me. So I thought that was kind of cute in, in that, you know, like that innocence or like that happiness that you're in a, play, in a place where actually things happen uh, has been a great exposure. So we, we try to bring as many kids to campus um, Microsoft has a place that's called the reactor that it is for external customers and training and students where they can go and learn about uh, not just Microsoft technology, but tech in general. So we're very grateful for that. And so that we try to expose uh, the, the kids right there, right? Like in the actual area, if they were to go and follow the path into STEM, that's where they would work. If they choose to work at Microsoft, the idea for us is not that they all come to Microsoft is that, they find and realize their dreams that they have, but also know that it is possible for them to work at a place like Microsoft if they choose to. In terms of people, um, I've been doing recruiting pretty much since I started at Microsoft, is how do we make sure that we get either the next generation of students or how do we get the recent grads uh, from university to come at Microsoft? And I really look for diversity diversity of thought, especially, you know, diversity of experiences. Um, and I try that my best. And I try to have a conversation that's down to earth, understand what's the potential that that candidate can bring. And then I try my best. Um, but I'm super humble. I, I really never, ever thought that I could work at Microsoft. I did love Encarta, which Encarta is like, for those of you that are way younger, 
I might not know what that is, but if you can imagine Wikipedia on a CD, that's what Encarta was. And Encarta was made by Microsoft. So funny enough that I'm working for the company of my favorite CD back when I was in school. But I also love video games, you know, and, and, and I used to play PlayStation, uh, Sega, 64, like all that fun stuff. Um, so that really helped uh, in, in that type of shaping. But it's not like I come, you know, in, in a way that it's impossible. Uh, one of the stories that I like to share, um, that one is my, he was not my manager, but he was peer with my manager in the first job at Microsoft. And he talked about perseverance and resiliency. And so I'm like, okay, can you explain me more? And so he applied 28 times at Microsoft before he got hired. So 28. So he applied 27 times, 27 times got rejected on the 28. He got in. Now that's, yeah, that's, that's really great. I think you touched on something that's super interesting as well, where you're kind of affecting the hiring pipeline. You're trying to hire people that's diverse of thought. Um, what's kind of advice you can give to other recruiters or other tech companies that potentially don't have that same scale as Microsoft, but they're looking to try to, you know, hire that diverse talent. Definitely. I, I think that sometimes we focus too much on the grades or the classes that mm-hmm. you've taken. For example, it's like, have you taken CS 204 or like 101? First of all, it really changes based on the university. And second, I think that if someone knows a lot of Python and your company does C Sharp, you can learn that, right? Like as long as there's potential and there's desire to learn, I think that's hireable. Um, but of course, you know, I, I don't, it's easier said than done. At the end of the day, if you can see potential, and especially if you're talking about uh, people of color that might not have that exposure, um, that's when potential comes big into the picture. Um, because other folks might have some relative or some parent or some friend that's already in tech. But when you talk to uh, minorities or people of color, sometimes that's not available. So how, do you really want to focus on, on that or, or can you help that person and potentially train it to, to what you need for your company? Um, I think that that would help. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I definitely get a lot of tech jobs are kind of like, oh, you know, you get in your foot through the door through someone that you know, mm-hmm. but if you're a minority and you might not have that network, I can totally see that. Yeah, and you touch on something key right, which is the right, the resources, Mm -hmm. and mainly the right, correct resources, because there is so much going on, there's a lot of communication and media, and all of that, but empowering our own communities to have the right resources, and I think that's one of the problems that Nuevo has Mm -hmm. been addressing, and will continue to address. Absolutely. And especially we even done uh, things in California where we have to talk to the parents, right? I'm going to speak about the Hispanic community because it's the one that I'm most familiar with. Uh, But sometimes it's kind of hard for the parents to let the kids go and study something that they are not aware of. So sometimes we have to talk to the parents and tell them, hey, there's this thing called technology. We understand you work in a rural area or in a farm. But those jobs in 10 years might not exist. So how do we make sure that your kids have the guidance and skills that they need in order for them to actually make sure that they get a job that could be still in the rural area? There's nothing wrong about it. But how do we make sure that those kids 
can have the opportunity. Because sometimes um, if you're Hispanic, you, you might know that you do, you tend, we tend to do a lot of what our parents tell us. And sometimes if they come and say, no, technology is not the right thing, or this is too foreign, or this is like robots, and this is not us or whatever, it has a lot of influence. So what we try is to do some conversation with the parents, so a lot of the time in Spanish, just making sure that they understand. And then, uh, so that way there's encouragement from the parents also for the kids or to the kids. That way um, they can help. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it all revolves around letting kids explore and be curious. How has curiosity led you or helped you be where you are today? Yeah, for me, it was, uh, and to be honest, I wanted to study chemistry and I wanted to be a chemical engineer. And that's what I really wanted, or petroleum engineer. So as I said, I'm from Venezuela. The coolest job you could get in Venezuela was to work at the oil company. So obviously, Venezuela, it's hard to talk about Venezuela without the politics. But at the time when I was growing up, I really loved being in a lab and playing around in the lab. That, that to me was like so the coolest thing. Um, but the last two years of our high school, we had more than 10 teachers for chemistry because they come and go, come and go. And it was super hard to get to organic chemistry. So we didn't have that opportunity. But I always had the interest for information. How was information stored in a CD? How does information travel back and forth over the Internet? How is it possible that I go on my PlayStation and I touch a button and it reacts on the TV? Like those were questions that I didn't know the answers, but I wanted to understand. And I always had that curiosity. So when I lived in Germany, I started realizing that tech is in so many places embedded in society. For example, even like the public transportation, right? Like you don't think about public transportation and technology, but everything is on time. Like stuff works perfect. And so it's like, how can I do something that has such a big impact? that you can do in one place that can be replicated all over the world. And so that really had a, a good um, interest. It sparked something in me that I, I want to figure this out and I want to know how to work it out. So I learned how to code in university, but then I find out that there's more than coding that you can still do in engineering. Um, so that's how I got into tech um, to me, but I, I still have these passion for chemistry you know or sometimes i like what would you what would happen if i go and mix this and this uh or doing crazy things at, at school uh, one of our friends went and exploded a toilet you know that crazy things like that that you can do uh with like chemical reactions but again i'm not current i'm not encouraging anybody to go and exploit the toilet um uh, but that was something um that happened <laughs> on my school um by a friend but anyways um so tech to me was impact problem solving and and how do things work end to end i think that i've always been curious or, or to me sometimes when things are not clear from a to b it's when my head start like how how can i go from here to here and and i think tech is one of those careers or fields that makes you think a lot about that and i found that that to be super interesting so I've been doing this tech thing for six years. I love it. It's been a fun ride. It's been a lot of learning, a lot of figuring things out, sometimes frustration. Sometimes you don't get the right query. Sometimes the code don't work. Sometimes you're trying to figure out how GitHub does things, how to you know, solve a, a conflict, 
all that stuff, but that to me has been fun, you know, and, and the great thing is that you can Google almost everything. Six years ago, if you think about it, people still will buy the actual code to get Office to work or you buy the CD and install it, that kind of stuff, right? So that was pretty new. And I said, look, I don't know. However, this is what I know about the cloud. This is what I know about Office. And this is how I think Office 365 work. Um, and so sometimes I think that if you're curious and, and you want to get to the bottom, bottom of things, it's not about knowing, it's about learning. Um, and there's this thing that's called uh, the growth mindset, right? It's like, not, don't be a know-it-all, be a learn-it-all. And, and that to me has what's gotten me, I, I think, into different jobs. I switched from doing things in the field, uh, from moving customer from office on-premise to Office 365 to engineering in engineering systems and making sure that static analysis get run uh, to look for security vulnerabilities. I didn't know that. I didn't go to school to learn about security of static analysis at Microsoft, right? Like nobody goes to school for that. Um, you can learn some security uh, classes and how to do risk and how to do pen testing and how to do certain things. But I think if you if you have that desire to or that curiosity to find out how things work, and it's okay for you not to know at all, but like to start learning and little by, by little keep growing on your role. I think that's what helped. So it has helped me. I'm doing now a, I work on a service that it's an Azure Functions bot. And it deals with things that are static, but also uh, it also has to do with machine learning uh, models. That to me is completely new, but I'm curious, right? I want to know. I want to understand how that works. And I cannot tell you that I know exactly inside and out. I don't, but I learn. And, that's, and the more that I do it, the more that I get to learn. And I think if you're humble enough to recognize that sometimes you don't know things and ask for questions and ask for clarifying things and you do your Google search and you do your own like trial and error, I think that's how you grow. This is something I can attest to uh, for Bea's character. Um, that willingness to keep learning and keep being curious about how things work. Um, Bea and I recently did a hackathon for Nuevo Foundation. We jumped on a call just to check on each other and see how we were like holding up. Um, she mentioned something about uh, along the lines that I had to teach her how GitHub works. And that reminds me, I still have to do it. I learned it already, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, no, definitely. And it was something I, I sat down. Uh, there's this thing called GitHub Labs too, that's teach you from scratch, um, very useful, uh, but yes. Yes, she is always looking for that opportunity to learn. And that's something I have learned from her and continue to see her do. Uh, what exciting things or projects are you working on there? So right now we're trying to figure out how we can get our service um, to be a little bit more focused into the security space. So that is challenging within itself. Like how do we make sure that we can get more focus in the security? I cannot really speak a little bit much about what I do. But um, what I can tell you is it's that it's focused in the pull request part of the Git uh, in Azure, Azure DevOps. And it's like, how do we ensure that the code that gets merged is as secure and as, as compliant 
as possible. So that's one of the things that we're um, working on that's work-related. In terms of Nuevo is how do we ensure that we can continue with the coding workshops that we were doing, but in a virtual setting? And how do we make sure that the students that are shy, that might not ask questions, uh, that we're actually making sure that they learn? That is a huge challenge. We have not done anything about it yet. Uh, we're waiting for a few um, more couple of weeks when school starts and see if we can figure it out with some teachers. We have some teachers that partner with us to help us deliver the content in a way that no kid is left behind. Because when you're in person and you see that a kid might be struggling or that kid didn't understand, you can go and go next to her or him and be like, hey, can I help you? You know, like what's going on or something. But when you're in a virtual setting, it's kind of hard unless you speak up or unless you unmute yourself. Um, so that's one of the challenges that we will have to figure it out. Um, and so, yeah, those those are two big things. And then I've been trying um, to start to read a book. We'll see how that's going to pan out. I'm more, I think I'm going to end up listening to it because every time I say I'm going to read a book, it, um, it does not happen unless I find the audiobook. Um, so we'll see if that changes by the end of the year. It's amazing. Yeah, I totally have the same experiences with reading books. I normally just fall asleep if I try and read it. <laughs> and I always walk yeah. my dog, so why not listen to an audiobook? <laughs> um, I do want to ask for a question for both of you, actually. Um, how has kind of coronavirus, like this crazy time, affected the Nuevo Foundation? I know you mentioned one of the big challenges that you have to face right now. Um, have you had to tweak anything so It has been difficult uh, for a lot of the students that we help because we focus on underrepresented. So most of the, ma the majority of the schools that we work here in the U.S. are Title I schools. So Title I schools are low-income or low-resources schools. So it's, we've seen that not every student has access to a computer. Not every student has access to the internet. And if they have a computer and internet, there's also another challenge that they might only have one computer in the entire home. So access to classes, just classes in general, not even like, don't even think about STEM, but like their actual like science class or the actual math class or English class uh, has been, difficult for some students um we've learned that some kids are now getting laptops that there's the the school are given to them i don't know to which extent um because some schools have not started yet but it has also allowed us to go and reach students that we would never think of. for example we had this um this event that was caribbean girls where we get to help out kid, uh, girls in Jamaica, Bermuda, Trinidad and Tobago, which would have been, we, if it wasn't because of the pandemic, there's no way we could have helped out because normally those will be events that are local. We had another opportunity to go and share our story in Nepal. Like never in my life, I thought that I could do, do something. Um, and also something that Jimena is also involved is mentoring girls in Puerto Rico. So maybe if it was something that the pandemic didn't open these, I guess the pandemic just broke those barriers of distance, it has helped us out. So it, we've been more exposure to some places that we wouldn't likely maybe would have been very hard to reach. But at the same time, 
for the local kids, sometimes it's challenging because you have um, the device and the internet connection uh, constraint. There was a, a tweet that I recently saw of two girls in California sitting outside Taco Bell trying to look, yes, trying to find the Wi-Fi. And that just breaks your heart seeing that, right? And it, it, it breaks your heart because it, it makes you think like something, I log in to work, I, I use the Wi-Fi, and other people don't have access to something so simple like that, but it also empowers you. And it gives you, um, I want to say anger, but redirect that anger to make some change, to feel yourself and make that change, like make some sort of impact, no matter how far it is, but bring that distance, make it shorter and make some impact, whether it's in our local communities or in the broader area, right? But also a shout out to those girls, right? Because the fact that they're going outside and out of their way to make sure that they have access to information, that's to me admirable. Uh, yes, there's there, there could be consequences, right? Because they are more exposed. Um, but at the same time, in my head, I, I think like if, if, if I take another perspective is how awesome are these girls that are doing even going above and beyond of what maybe someone at their age would do to go and make sure that they can do their schoolwork. Yeah, that's, yeah, it totally makes sense. I think like uh, the coronavirus has really exposed um, the underrepresented. I think they've like suffered a lot through this and it's great that you've had this 100%. Um, what can we do to help Nuevo Foundation or to help these uh, underrepresented people uh, you know, gain access to technology and things like that? How can we help you? Yeah, so there are multiple ways. There are ways that you can contribute if, you, if you're into the coding skills, and you want to share with that, there's always opportunities to create new workshops. But workshops would mean step-by-step -step activities that kids can start from hello world all the way to variables, functions, uh, tables, anything that you want to go. Uh, that's one option. The other option is do you want to share your story and inspire others uh, in schools that are local or outside the US? And then the other one is do you happen to know a teacher in one of your local schools, wherever you're listening from, and you would like that maybe we get our offerings, which is either a virtual session or a speaker series or a coding workshop to that school, we would love it. Because we really want to go as many schools and to share with as many students that we can. That STEM is possible and STEM is something that we can all do. And it's at some point it might become one of those other extra subjects, right? Like there's not going to be any different taking math and taking coding or taking hardware if it's, you're more into the hardware part. Um, so yeah, I, those three ways uh, would be great. And if you're thinking of something else that you would like to do uh, for Nuevo, then there's a contact uh, email, which is contact at nuevofoundation.org. Um, just, you know, let's brainstorm. We're really open. At the end of the day, as long as he has an idea or a project or a vision where we can help more underrepresented students to get involved into a STEM, uh, I'm all ears. Uh, I definitely agree with that. I have seen it, I have experienced it with Nuevo, and we are always looking for some people to help us out with the front end, so feel free to reach out to any one of us. Uh, Bea, this is amazing. All the work that you have been doing with Nuevo and yourself, your career, 
Where do you see yourself in the next few years and where do you see Nuevo going? So I would love to go into the management route. I feel that or that I've learned and grown so much with Nuevo uh, and with people in general that I I have this passion that I want to make sure that other people can follow their dreams and their careers, that they're equipped with the resources that they needed, that they have the support that they needed to go and reach their dreams. So I would love to go into uh, the management route. In terms of Nuevo, it'll be a dream if there's other dedicated people that want to take Nuevo into an actual, you know, and, and be that for full time. If somebody happens to, to want to do that and, and this is still the same guidelines, meaning helping everyone, especially if they're underrepresented, uh, more than happy. I think it'd be great. I, I think the vision and the work that every single person has put into Nuevo, it's just amazing and it can be taken into so many places. And, you know, if we can have folks that will translate it into their own local languages, how do we ensure that? How do we, how do we get there? So one of the good things that happened this summer was that we got two new chapters. So we now have the chapter in Perth in Australia and Hyderabad in India. So yeah, there you go. Oh, nice. Yeah. Australia represent. Awesome. <laughs> yep. Yes. We're going to have an event pretty soon because I think Australia has less restrictions in terms of the pandemic. Um, so there's going to be an event um, with like 10, 12 kids at the Microsoft office. And so we're very excited for that, um, that, that we can share this story, right? Like how, how do we make sure that every kid in the world, regardless, they can understand or they can see, they can dream, they can be it. Uh, and, and it really helps, especially for those that don't have that role model in their family or their surrounding, that they work in tech and they can do it. There's this thing that's like, you cannot be what you cannot see. And I think that's one of the great things uh, one of the great values that we stand in Nuevo is how do we make sure that they get to see themselves in somebody else? Kind of following on to this, like moving into like your next step in your career, looking back, what would you kind of give, what advice would you give early in career developers um, or people that are looking to switch into tech? I would say that there are so many jobs in tech. And if that's something that you want to try or something that you're willing to learn, there's no age. We've seen Jimena and myself have a friend in common that she went into coding after. Uh, you know, she had her own career into, I believe it was finance or accounting, and then she switched. We, I recently met someone um, that she used to be a teacher, and now she's a program manager at Microsoft. And to me, that's amazing, right? That doesn't mean that there's not a straight path. There could be, you know, you can have your own zigzag or whatever shape your career, your life happens to be. Uh, but I think tech is one of those fields that age doesn't really matter. It's more about, hey, are you willing to learn? Are you okay with changing certain languages or versions, certain things every so often? Uh, and if you're up for the challenge, there's place. There's definitely place uh, for all of us in tech. I think it's the beauty of embracing your background. It's beautiful like to see a teacher go into a PM role or a somebody that was in the army going to engineering, right? Because it's about building products with all these different backgrounds because we're all building these products that are going to affect all of society, not just 
a section or it's just a certain group, right? This is talking about everyone. Yeah. And having like a diverse community and diverse thought actually gives you a better product than if you were just having like, you know, all white people, white men working on this like product. It's, it's amazing to see like all these different backgrounds kind of bringing their own experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And there's people that are huge coders. And when I say huge coders, like being coded for a long time that they didn't even go to school for, but they learn it. So that's also possible. Um, so and if I think wh- what I've learned is whatever you're passionate about, whatever that is, if it's giving back, if it's cooking, if it's sports, if it's dancing, if you can find a way to tie it to tech, I think mm-hmm. at that point, it doesn't become this burden, mm-hmm. but it's more about, this is fun. Uh, and that's what we try to do uh, when we teach kids is you like music, awesome. You get to write your own beats and your own song with Python. Do you like to draw? Awesome. How about we build a website? If you like dancing, we can do the music. That one actually I haven't thought through, but I've seen workshops where you uh, play around uh, with like your tutu scared and then based on the music, you can program the lights. So there are ways to come up with ideas. Uh, as long as you, it's your passion and something you're willing to do, I think it helps out because it's not just like, oh, I have to write this, you know, semicolon, if, then, else, you know, like that kind of stuff versus like, awesome. I want to know how many baskets I can make next time I play 30 minutes based on data that I've collected. I think that switches the way that you think. Uh, and it helps out, especially with kids. Yeah, man, tech is everywhere. Explaining tech to kids is it's somewhat okay, easy because they have the the like experience of dealing now, especially with Zoom, right? But explaining tech to older generations can, can be, be difficult. difficult. Yes, that's true. So during the first episode, Jonah and I talk about the positive side of tech, where we shared so many cool experiences where John was going to be speaking at a conference next week and how I was going to be speaking at uh, and leading some workshops for different schools. What are some of the cool things that you have done because of technology and living through tech? Technology has opened a lot of opportunities for me, opportunities that I never thought that I could get. So starting from the work that I do, also having this posture with responsibility because at the time um right now there's not that many latinos or hispanics especially you not know, latino women uh, that get to share their story right or amplify the message and i've been very blessed um to be part of first i was part of tecnologicas which was how do we encourage more latino girls to go into tech with that we had the opportunity uh, to go to TV, Univision, got to meet Eva Longoria, got to meet like Mario Lopez and a bunch of cool artists uh, from Hispanic descent uh, that happened because how do we make sure that more la- more Latinas get into tech? After that, uh, there's DigiGirls that have been able to do a lot of things with DigiGirls, which is a Microsoft program to help more girls get into tech. Um, also had the chance, um, so, there's this magazine called Ola. Uh, so if you happen to have a grandma uh, and you have either friends that are Hispanic or something, there's like a, a very famous magazine 
um, that I got the chance uh, to be on it on the second page, you know, but still it was there. It was like the story. Um, so that was pretty cool. Um, had super blessed. Uh, there was a, uh, article that someone from Forbes reached out. Hey, can we, can you share our story? Uh, how do we inspire more, uh, Latinos to go in tech? Um, and more recently I was selected for the American association for the advancements of science. They selected 121 role models in STEMs, and one of them, the program is called If Then. And the idea is if you teach girls about technology, then they can change the world. And so through that, it has been amazing to meet so many outstanding women in STEM, like truly a STEM, not just tech. Um, and I have the, the pleasure to be part of one of the four ambassadors. They are, the three of them are for, from Puerto Rico, and then the, the the one because I, I, I can really do much in Venezuela besides humanitarian help that but you need to kind of have the basics before you get to to tech so I'm helping out uh, and we're teaching 121 girls in Puerto Rico Jimena's part of that so thank you for being a volunteer uh, and also one of the craziest thing is that when we were in Dallas they were uh, doing actual life-size 3d statues of all of us so it was just like what i'm gonna be in a statue like just the fact that it's it's just crazy right like i was just a girl that wanted to go and study chem you know chemistry and and there's like how life turns around and when you do things with passion and when you do things because you do care because it comes from your heart and because it makes you happy and it makes you like things are worth it because all this work is after work, uh, right? Because we, you have like your full-time job and then you do this on your side. And and that has been, to me, so amazing um, just to, to have that. And the reason for, that the statues come is because there are not that many women statues in the U.S., especially not in public places. So in the bigger city, there's some study. I don't have the numbers, so I'm not going to say the numbers. But that it's just very low. And so one of the things that, that if then program is doing is how do we ensure that when little kids or medium kids or actually adults go to the park, they can see that women are scientists too. That a woman goes and she's an awesome geologist. There's one of the ladies uh, that I got to met, meet when we met in Dallas and she lives in Rarotonga, which is an island in New Zealand. And what she does is that she goes and put tags on charts to understand how the charts live and the habitat and how do we make sure that they are not bad people that kill them just for what they have inside. And to me, it's like, that's crazy. You know, like these ladies leave it. Obviously, that's paradise. But still, like the work that she does is making sure that we will have charts for the next generation to actually see too. Um, and like that, there's another friend um that i got to meet that she's the the person behind on the research side that made okay i'm not that feminine so i'm so sorry but some sort of a lipstick uh that she worked for l'oreal and it's like the number one seller and she's latina too so that has been one of the cool things uh that i've got to be with the program and every single story is very amazing those two that i mentioned is because to me it was something like super cool and a lot of them are PhDs, which I thought was kind of cool. 
So I was probably, you know, have a master's, but uh, it was like, oh, there's so many girls here that have like PhD that they're awesome on their careers. And I'm very thankful uh, for that organization that put so much investment in making sure that there's enough media and that there is enough um, like diversity in, in STEM. And like STEM is not just coding. STEM is any part of science, math, and engineering um, that can help out and in technology as well. So that has been awesome. And then because of this program, uh, I also had the chance um, to have a photo shoot for Maria Claire, the magazine. Um, so I, it doesn't look like myself. Um, I don't dress like that on a normal basis. But to me, that was just an awesome experience. It was like being on a movie. And, and for that, I'm super thankful because sometimes some girls are into fashion, right? And that's cool. But also being into fashion could also mean that you happen to be, um, you know, in a computer working too, like that works. And, and I think that the, having that combination uh, has gotten, you know, like girls involved. Um, so I'm super thankful, it has been amazing, amazing opportunities. I try to always bring someone along as much as I can uh, when I have that. And at the same time, I take it as a responsibility because at the end of the day, um, you might not think it or, or you yourself are a role model to someone. And, and you got to make sure that that could be your little brother or sister, that could be your cousin, or that could be a hundred people that you don't know, but you're that role model to them. And so I, I take that with responsibility. I want to make sure that I can bring my best self and inspire other people too. Um, and I try to do my best. And every time I can bring somebody else along with me to help out in whatever I'm doing, I try to do so. Because I think just giving back, has been embedded in my family since I was like, I don't remember, but at least six, um, that we would go and give back. Every time that we had a chance, give back, and, and that's just ingrained uh, in me. That's amazing, congratulations. I, I honestly think it's very well-deserved. You have made an impact through Nuevo Foundation and will continue to do, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It's something that's nice being recognized for for being that leader that wants to see a change in the community and also mm -hmm. brings others along with. Yes. And also helping out, right? Like, I think the most important thing is like, yes, uh, the, to me, a good leader is someone that as that person move along, brings somebody else with. It's not just about being, you know, that person in itself. It's like, yes, but how, how do I make sure that whatever skills you want that I'm helping you with? Bea, we cannot thank you enough for everything that you have shared with us today and all the work that you have done for the community through Nuevo Foundation. I am sure you will continue to impact our communities. One last thing we have to ask from you. How can people get in contact with you? Definitely. For Nuevo, any social media, uh, Nuevo Foundation, so Nuevo is N-U-E-V-O, and then Foundation, um, all the social media, if you need reach out to us via email it's going to be contact at millfoundation.org uh, and myself it's going to be all my social it's at bea gandica so bea b-e-a and gandica g-a-n-d-i-c-a we will post links to everything that um like your linkedin and uh, nuevo's website uh, again for this episode 
Gracias. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us tonight. We truly appreciate it. I had fun. Jono. Yeah. It's been amazing talking to you. Um, thank you so much for having us. Oh, I mean, thank you so much for being here. Oh my God. It's like you're running the podcast now. Yeah. You know? I can just leave. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you for doing this. I know you guys are going to inspire a lot of folks out there uh, and listening to stories and people and yourself and asking those questions. Um, it's just going to help out. I, I know that podcast is one of those ways that more and more people now listen to it. And I'm sure that you're going to get um, a lot of folks and hopefully inspire a lot of people um, to consider checking if they don't at least to know about it, which is also as equally important as well. So appreciate it.